Makani. So we're going to be talking about the music industry this week, and I'm going to let you explain it in a little bit, but we're bringing on Jake from episode I forget, but the title of it was My Relationship with Alcohol. Dude, that was a banging episode. It's got a quite a quite a bit more listeners than some of the other other episodes. That either means Jake's just a badass. People always thought Jake was good looking. Oh yeah. That's- boy next door is what I always heard. I want I want that boy next door. In me. In me. Up in me, like in my bedroom when mom and dad are asleep. Uh, yeah, he had that look for sure. Kind of bothers me a little bit. Like his episode's doing great. It's like Jake got everything. He got everything. He got the looks. His episode's good. Yeah. Now and now he's our first repeat, right? He's our first repeat, and it's good to have him on this because I remember he's got much more of a his parents much more of a background in older music because his parents were really into stuff like the Beatles, and he got into that, and they're into Neil yeah. Diamond and other cool older artists so he'll be good to talk to about this i forgot about his passion for the beatles mm-hmm. yeah you know i you you don't want to wish this on a on any friend obviously anyone who's done gone through the path that jake's chosen but it would be kind of funny if we had him on this week and he's like throwing empty vodka bottles at his computer and uh <laughs> and we're like oh that's why all right and then I'd and be then okay with that. We talked him it, off the cliff. Yeah, for ratings. For ratings, period. For ratings, yeah. No, I think he's probably okay. Yeah. He's, I think he's turned a corner and he's done. It's in his past. Uh, so what are we talking about to set this episode up? Because we want to have a little fun, but we were screwing around in the news segment realizing, man, we got a lot to say about what's going on with music today and back in our day. I think I think to start it to to take to take off to pick up where we left off last week we were kind of like man a lot of self help a lot of self reflection like how about let's talk about something that's kind of fun and what actually happens so we're kind of talking about the state of how we see the state of the music industry and and so a friend of mine Jim mentioned that uh, like. Maybe we're just getting old, but it doesn't seem like there's been any like real like earth shaking things that have come out like the Beatles or Nirvana or NWA or, or, you know, things have really just shifted the music industry and the world. And why is that? But the great thing about this is when you get into it, you get into all the same midlife shit that you feel about other issues. You know, you're like, I just don't understand what these young kids are doing. You start to realize you're an old man. So there is a little bit of that self-reflection in this. But just looking at where the music industry is, what we think about it. Am I I also, it ties in a little bit to the stand-up comedy industry a little bit about how people are getting discovered. And uh, so that's where we're at. And you and Jake were musicians. And as you mentioned, Jake was always uh, a well-informed fan of music. Yeah. So I also like to bother him because he seems like he's really busy during the day. So I like to force his ass, you know, to like kill his kill his lunch break with us. He probably just wants to eat under a tree and, you know, relax. Uh, at the risk of being adolescent, and I think Jake will appreciate this, a bit of an inside joke, but there was a song, a rap song, and my wife doesn't listen anymore, so I can say whatever I want. But there was a rap song that mentioned Black Pussy being purple, and I swear it was a song and I swear that was the theme of the song. And I, uh, probably a month ago, I don't know if I was looking for some sort of joke 
for this show, but I I was trying to look it up, dude, on Google. I could not find a song called Black Pussy is Purple. But for years, we used to joke, me and my friends, about that and say it all the time. Uh, I don't know if it's racist. I, it, it was a, clearly a, a, a black man talking about black pussy being purple. Don't know what he means. I just know that a bunch of white kids from Aurora, Colorado repeated it for years. Got that. Got that. What do you think? Well, I rem- I remember I I don't really remember the song. I do remember it. Uh, someone wrote the lyrics of that song apparently on one of the bathroom stalls in the locker room. I do remember that. That yeah. was not me. And they would not. They wouldn't clean it. It was there <laughs> for all four years. I think like it never they, went away. So, <laughs> janitors were just like truth, truth, dog. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so yeah, that came out of left field. You, you let you're leaving me stunned here. I don't know what. To well, I, yeah, I promise I didn't prep it. It just came to me, and I was like, I did look that up a month ago. Uh, you know, this, uh, music does funny things to you, and there are a lot of memories tied to music, and we we think that old music is the greatest, probably because of the memories. Who knows? And that was a prominent memory for me, and I, I, uh, I'm hoping you'll repeat the lyric at least a few more times throughout this episode, too. So I got, I haven't said it yet. I just said the lyric. <laughs> I kind of wonder if, if we get with Jake, if we felt like the way that the interesting thing is like the way if we felt the way maybe young people think now that think that the music coming out now is awesome. But I have a feeling that everybody, including us, even like the music that was coming out when we were kids in the nineties, we were all we're still most people are looking back to older music and like, oh that was that was great. You know, like like the music oh, came sure. out in the sixties and seventies and some of the eighties, like it's timeless. And whatever generation you're in, it still holds it still holds uh itself. And like, I don't know what that is. Maybe it's just because it came first. But don't you think it's mem- memories, though, dude? Well, how? Yeah, but I don't have a memory of fucking. I was gonna say less f bombs. You can beat that for me. Like, I don't have a memory of Frank Sinatra, but but I I love listening to it. And I couldn't. I could not. If some guy came out crooning in 2024, I'd be just be like, nope, can't do it. But I could listen to Frank and Dean Martin and like forever. Nat King Cole, like I don't know, and then you get that. I get that way about like rock, like Led Zeppelin or Run DMC or rap. Yeah, but I think, dude, that's because people were playing it. Your parents were playing it. Your grandparents were playing it. So it has a special connection. I'm not saying they're not amazing musicians and weren't, but Michael Bublé came out. I'd say late '90s. I, I wasn't giving him time of day. Oh, but he was rocking that crooner, and then he morphed into some pop and very, pretty successful dude. So. I know, but I'm just like, I, why would I listen to him when I could yeah. just go listen to... Yeah, well, um, back to Black Pussy's Purple, the lyrics today in rap are so much more grotesque. I long for the days where all you said was Black Pussy's Purple. Now it's just really fucking... You know what's crazy is a lot of the really fucked up lyrics are women. Yes. Oh, about getting banged in all different directions. I mean, that's the one I heard uh, my daughter's playlist recently. I'm like, Jesus... Ah, dude, at least at least she's a little older. That my my daughter's hearing that stuff too. And I'm like, you know what's going on here? Like, yeah, I'm not gonna tell you, but you probably do know. But like, like this isn't really not for you or anyone really. But uh, it's not healthy. It's it's really weird. Now we sound like really old men, but like, yeah, some of it is like, what is going on there? Well, that's all part of the uh, women's revolution, which is all good. But now it's like. 
It's getting pushed too far, a little bit too far. The sexual revolution said, yeah, I can get on and rap about getting fucked in the ass, getting fucked in the ear, fucked in the nose, yeah. I like this new freedom you have. <laughs> Apparently your wife doesn't listen anymore. <laughs> no, no, but that's the sexual revolution, right? It's just now everybody can just talk about the most insane descriptive sex well, acts. Yeah, at the base desire, people would be like, well, that's great because women have sexual desires and they should be able to voice them too. But but I listen to some of that shit. I'm like, that is not like a normal desire. Like, <laughs> talking about <laughs> like the top 40 pop music too. It's not like some street underground shit or, you know, it's like that number is. one. Yeah. Number one on, uh, is Casey Kasem still alive? No, Number he's one dead. on Billboard charts, getting drilled. Uh, who took over for him? Ryan Seacrest. Remember oh, that right. guy from American Idol? Yeah. Hardest yeah. working man in show business. Oh, yeah. yeah. Casey Kasem died? I'm pretty sure he's gone. What? It is, a, you make a good point in terms of where does it go from here? How does it get more over the top and more shocking? Like, what do you think can be said as we get into the future? What types of things? Where does it go? How much more disgusting yeah i don't it's weird because you got you have this direction of like you can't like the you can't say anything without offending people but that one thing of like shocking sexual lyrics is like out of control it, it, it's weird you you can't say anything else but you can really you can really talk about being a whore uh-huh but where does it go matt it's uh it's it'll come back around yeah it'll get softer yeah but that's all contradictory of some of the stuff you mentioned on the show, like younger generations are having a hard time hooking up. Well, or men are, right? That's probably why. They're fucking scared out of their minds when they hear that music. They're like, oh, my God, I just wanted to make out with a girl. I didn't want to go go all in. Whatever the hell they're singing about, they're like, damn, slow down, woman. Can you, like, just hold my hand? Please. I like a man who will knock me in the back of my head with a brick and then fuck me while I'm out. Yeah. Dude's like, uh, yeah, I don't want to go to prom. I, I, I just don't want to go. Screw that. I just want to like hang out because that's too much. Punch so me in the face more. and bang me when I'm concussed. Mm, yeah. I can't stop. <laughs> All right, dude. How'd you feel after last week? You got it all out. You feel like, all right, I want to, I know where I want to go with the show. I, I listened to the episode. I thought it was great. And uh, I don't think it might. We don't have to worry about that much. We just yeah. talk and magic happens. <laughs> well, I don't know about this intro, but like, uh, no, I'm having fun just screwing around in this intro, clearly. Well, uh, I liked it. It was good. Good to talk it out. I think we, we're still going to have meaningful conversations, but we're going to clearly clown a little bit that's you know why what this conversation shows us is we have to have a point because you and i we can quickly get get off the rails quickly so if we, if we don't bring like some stupid self-help topic it's just going to be us rapping about uh <laughs> about weird shit that's that's the risk that's the risk lance if we let ourselves be ourselves that's so. true oh i'm excited so we got jake and a little teaser uh if you did like the the Sheila episode about love, we're bringing her back in a couple of weeks, right? Yep. So that'll be. I don't know what it's about yet. She's got some ideas. She's she might be morphing her ideas after we like completely took a shit on being thoughtful in last week's episode. But we'll have see. you got any feedback from her on that that episode? She thought it was great. I think. I think we've gotten to her. She she, 
she now th- she's now okay with our nonsense. We need we need hard hard hitting Sheila come in next week. I think she's ready to she's ready to get uh, in the ring with you because you said a few bullshit comments. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't. So, yeah, well, well, it'd be good, dude. She's right. she's gonna be our Robin Quivers one day. Oh yeah, Robin Hold Quivers. Hold the show together. Be smart. Yeah. yeah. You're you're Howard, and I'm like, what's one of the fucking dipshits? You're Howard, dude. I'm no, I'm, no. What's one of the dipshits that just like grunts or farts? That's who I want to be. Uh, I, but the one dude is uh, Artie Lang. The guy's like a heroin addict and a, and a comedian. Is like been endlessly successful. Got endless second chances. Is like, and I don't think Howard talks them anymore. I would like to be Artie Lang if we're, okay. if we're picking care. If she's uh, Sheila's, Sheila's Robin Quivers, you're going to have to be Howard, bro. Dude, Ro- Robin, special talent, huh? Just to listen to all that shit and roll. Yeah, this boisterous laugh that like she can she can do it on cue, like any yeah. second. And, and she never goes down the rabbit hole, I feel like. I haven't listened in a long time, but I don't think she really goes down the rabbit hole with the insanity. Of- yeah, she'll be like, really? Howard, <laughs> yeah, that's good. dude. By the way, that that's a thing that we don't have. Like, because I'm laughing hysterically at some of your shit, and you are too. But we don't have like boisterous radio laughs, so, so you can't always like hear it. Yeah, I'm more like <laughs> I'm like an inhale laugher. I'm like I'm an inhaler. Yeah, I'm a I'm an airy low. I'm not a good laugher. I'm not a good. Laugher. We need a, like a whoa, just to cue the audience. Because they, they will laugh. <laughs> they yeah. are audi- they're seals. And if we tell them, give them the cue to laugh, they will laugh. Speaking of seals and the music that we're going to talk about, Seal. Now, that was an interesting fella. Both his face and his sound. And he's a snowboarder. You thought he was white by his sound. Like one of those smooth, hollow notes type white boy singers. And You uh, thought Seal was white? I did, originally. He didn't give you one of those Everly Brothers, like smooth sounding. I don't know where he's from. I don't know anything about him. I so mean, I don't, I don't think he's, he's, uh, I wouldn't, I bet you his, his uh, I think he probably grew up in a, in a, you know, culturally diverse setting. I don't know if he's coming straight out of, straight out of Compton or anything, no, but, uh, I didn't yeah. think he was coming from fucking Compton. What happened to that dude? Cause he was great and he had that face. Like, what, what, he kind of that was like he had the biggest hit ever, basically. That kiss by crazy, a, kiss by a rose, kiss no, by crazy, a rose. crazy, crazy was bigger. That's Aerosmith, bro. No, no, crazy. He had a song, crazy, kiss by a rose. I'm gonna let's look it up. That song then, was weak. You know what? We always say, What happened to that guy? Uh, I don't know. He got a billion dollars and said, Fuck you, world. That's probably what. Well, he did. and he married a supermodel, but this song was way bigger. You know that you're never gonna survive unless we are oh, yeah. a little crazy. You know, you remember that? This song yeah. was huge. You're right. I didn't know that was him. I guess that yeah. one could be a, a, a white boy, as you say. But yeah. I think "Kiss yeah. from a Rose" definitely got some soul in it. Yeah, he 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 was pressured into uh, you know fitting the role. Uh, that was 1994. <laughs> I probably hated yeah. that song at the time too. Yeah, the way well, it was. I I can I can't get into music until it's like twenty years old. Must be some jealousy thing or something. But I'm not gonna go to therapy and I'm not gonna look into it. I'm not gonna read any books about it. <laughs> I'm just gonna go on my life, 
only liking music that's 20 years old because it doesn't it doesn't threaten me it doesn't threaten me as a person well, i'm glad you're being thoughtful bringing bringing it bringing it all to bear uh comedy and vulnerability so cool man we'll see you in the men's room where i will shit all over the floor <laughs> i'm looking at i'm wikipediaing seal right now so it seems like i'm not listening guy moved some units man I feel like uh, I'm getting more adolescent and you're getting more reserved and you're just letting me like fall all over myself with the pussy cock poop and you're just like not even saying the F word anymore and I'm a piece of shit now, Matt, huh? I'm a piece I of shit. I want to keep it edgy, but I want I, my F, I want to be able to do it without the F word. I, I, I said a couple episodes, I was just like F, F, F. No, you know what it is? Some comedic aspiration? How? No, I I didn't. I was never worried about working clean. I mean, uh. I people over are underrate of good fuck or motherfucker. Like a lot of times, that really sells a point. It has a place, and uh, people are like, oh, work clean. It's like, well, if I could work clean, but if I said motherfucker right here, it would blow the room off. You know? Oh, I love the word. I love the word over and over again. I could say it all day long. Uh, motherfucker. But- just fucker, fuck. Uh, just it's a, it's a fantastic word. I want to say this since we're still going. We lost. I mentioned it last week. We lost. We lost gay, right? Like you can't. You can't say that's gay. No. And that's okay. Not, not well, a good look. We did get. You can say it anywhere. For anyone, no one cares. Bitch. Like bitch is just like saying, the. Like women use bitch. Gay guys use bitch. I could call. I don't know. Could you? Could you call your wife a bitch and, and get out of that one like without without any headache? I mean, stop like being the, a bitch. Are you being a little bit of a bitch? You got to do it in a real like white voice. I say stuff like that all the time, but not not in a way that would be accusatory or mean. Why are you such a bitch? Why she's that's my bitch. But pe- people are like you know I, the word bitch is is completely okay. That's my that's my bitch right there, little bitch. Come here, give me a hug, little bitch. I still want to have an episode where we have, uh, you know, someone from the gay community on and discuss if it's super offensive to them or it's been so drilled into their head that nobody even thinks about it anymore. Because I'm not even thinking about it as i should but i'm not even thinking about when i use it i'm not like i want to call i want this person to know that i think they're a homosexual (laughs) and that's wrong no right like you're not you're not thinking that way you're just like ah that's gay and 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 everyone knows what you mean but they don't they're not tying it back to actual uh gender choices or anything like that so i wonder if it's still they probably say it but i don't know that'd be interesting conversation so yeah. Same with bitch. Like I want to know. Like, ah, you're being kind of a bitch. Like, do women even even care? Or they're like, yeah, whatever. I hear it 15 times a day, and I call my friends that. You can call me whatever you want. Like I don't. You can call me whatever you want. <laughs> I could care less. I know. I love it. If somebody calls me something like that, I'm like, like what, Matt? Say awesome. it. Say it. Say it. <laughs> hey, Matt. Hey, Matt. You're being a bitch. And I'm just like, high five, bro. Say more, Matt. What else would they call you, Matt? Huh? C word? Pussy. 
black pussy. Yeah, yeah, man, that's what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. Purple, purple ass black pussy. Yeah, now I'm like the guy in the strip club. Yeah, more, more, Matt, more. Now I can't, now my kids can't. No, they definitely can't. But uh, we should stop because it's just getting super transgressive. All right, dude. Peace. Nighttime's a whole different look for us. It's very, it's very, very bad. All right. It's all, I know you're putting it all in, dude. I know it. This is right up your alley. You probably, this is probably going to be your favorite episode. This is the one you're going to look at when you're 80 and go, that's the one we nailed right there. I got him to say black pussy three times. Hey, almost compost. The no compost composting company. Almost Compost picks up your leftover food scraps and yard waste each week, but we don't compost it. Instead, we take your compost materials directly to the city dump. We save you money because we don't waste precious resources on the composting process. Leftovers gone bad this week? Put them in your compost bucket. Now they're at the dump. Your stepson's spooge tissues are piling up? Put them in your compost bucket. Now they're at the dump. Find a dead squirrel? Pop him in your compost bucket. Now he's at the dump. Don't pay more to turn your organic waste into fertile soil and mulch. Just throw it at the dump. Let Almost Compost serve all your composting needs. We're the No Compost Composting Company. All right, Matt, welcome to the Middle Age News and Trends. Our first article comes from the Atlantic, Ted Gioa. As of 2022, old songs make up 70% of the music market. The 200 most popular new tracks now regularly account for less than 5% of total streams. And that rate was twice as high just three years ago. The mix of songs actually purchased by consumers is even more tilted toward older music. The current list of downloaded tracks on iTunes is filled with the names of bands from the previous century. Bands like Credence, Clearwater, Revival, and The Police. The declining TV audience for the Grammy show underscores this shift. In 2021, viewership for the ceremony collapsed 53% from the previous year. The song catalogs in most demand by the major uh, studios are musicians who are now in their 70s and 80s, and record labels spend more time protecting their old ways of doing business. Matt, is the music of yesterday better? Or are the gatekeepers of music production just archaic? I mean, this this article is a mic drop for our generation and older fools, isn't it? Hell I mean, yeah. It, but it says the music is better. And you young punks can't, can't do anything about it, but listen to our music. That's all it is. Uh, you know what's really interesting? For some reason, Credence Clearwater Revival hit hard in Costa Rica, apparently, and, and they never let it go. People love that shit down here. Huey Lewis in the news. Credence. Big in fucking Latin America. I love Credence, but I don't know about Huey. He is a good singer, but... You know, he was one of the singers. He had a solo in the We Are The World uh, track. Blew your head off? Uh, anyway, it's just some trivia for you. When you say We Are The World, all I can think of is Cindy Lauper putting her heart in Like, wow, wow, wow. Like, she, she lost it. She lost her shit on that song, man. Uh, all right, this next one comes from Global News. Who knows who that is? And a guy named Alan Cross. 
And he's just, you know, he's just summarizing some theories out there for why new music may not be doing well, mostly because it lacks artistry and creativity. And here are the theories as to why. Number one, people are making throwaway tracks on their laptop. Number two, there are no longer great storytellers. The end goal seems to be fame now and not musical mastery. Number three, many new artists are becoming famous without ever playing a gig. So that old school touring regiment uh, has gone to a bygone era and no longer are people honing their musical skills and therefore they sound like shit. And number four, overproduction, too much compression. Just makes the music sound worse. Matt, are new musicians lazy? Uh, I love this article. I love Alan Cross. Like, I don't have to say anything. It's it's all true. He said there are no longer great storytellers. Can we just say there's no longer Tom Petty? Alan, we all know what you meant there, bro. I don't think the I don't, I would not say the musicians are lazy. No. Like, there are people that really embrace this digital thing and go nuts and do shit that I could never even wrap my head around. But... It's then that, but because it's digital, it pushes the music in a certain direction. Well, it it, uh, it gets to the audience really quick. You're not out in the arena of shitty dive bars, getting your get you know getting smacked around a little bit. So yeah, they they miss that. But yeah, I think there's more potentially more individual talent. They have more tools. I mean, if you think of all the effects and pedals and all the different things that they can apply right. to music, uh, you've got people that are. Uh, if you're not out touring, you can learn 500 instruments. So, you know, it's yeah. the old guys just picked up the bass and slapped that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I was going to say they can now people can bleed so many different genres and types of music and instruments together very easily. Yeah. So you got a lot of crossover now. I think Beyonce is like she's playing country music now. So you got like right. people bleeding into all sorts of different stuff. So. But I don't think they're lazy because I don't think how many people are like, you know what? This is a great way for me to make money. I just throw, get a digital beat together, throw it out. Like, they're probably working hard at it. It's just, you know, the the the, the drive, driving around and working gigs and, and working hard was kind of a way to, to separate people. Now you can't really separate. It's like hard to get the cream to rise in this environment. Yeah, and it's not about the music as much as like the brand and can you bring can you bring people to the venue? Whereas like back in the day from stories that I read in my own experience, if a, if a promoter or a club owner or manager liked you, he didn't care if you were bringing one person, just wanted to introduce you to whatever people showed up to that club. That that was still in around when I was playing. And I doubt that that, I don't doubt that that exists anymore. Dude. Did you hear my friend Adam, the comedian, was saying? I, I don't think you were there, but he's like now because he's got him and my other friends that you saw have some really solid TV credits that they can promote a show on. But the clubs are like, what are your numbers? Meaning like, and how many Instagram followers do you have? How many TikTok? So there are people that have something pop on TikTok but ha- don't have an act and stand up, which is crazy because how that's got to be nerve wracking to have to entertain a crowd for an hour without an act it's gonna be like hell like but well does that mean promotion like traditional promotion is dead it's just all of it goes through your own 
efforts to build an audience virtually. And now, you know, the, the old school promoter is disappeared. I think that's a yes. Yeah. It's good and bad, right? You can, you can self promote your ass into, into like a, a good spot, but you know, you also, at some point it seems like you want the artist being an artist, not, not like how whoring for, for followers. So oh, to speak. right. And I was thinking about all the stories of these musicians who spend time like in the chat room of their fucking whatever responding to fans and i'm just like Ugh, no way dude yeah and there's something cool about the fact that like you're never ever ever gonna get to talk to mick jagger like if if it happens you fucking shit your pants right like but it's like it's cool that these people are like out there and you're like that's like some soul that i'll never have access to it's, right it makes it a little more mysterious it was more mysterious you remember the guy from danzig we thought he like killed like 10 people it's just like yeah. a rumor that he murdered people with the the little, yeah. uh, what do you call the fist things? That, the, the, the brass knuckles, knuckles. Brass knuckles. There you go. Yeah. We thought that was true and that was great and made Mother such a great song. And you know who probably put that out there? It was probably his promoter. Maybe. <laughs> was like, dude, I totally forgot about that song and somehow Spotify just hooked me up with that and I, I almost was in tears. Mother, I'm going to play some new music that I created here and I'm going to play it for you. And when I hit play for you will be, you know, when I'm producing the episode at the exact same time that uh, uh, the listeners will hear it. So <laughs> you'll get to come back fresh after this song. And, and you know, it's new music. I, I want to understand if it works for you. Uh, some of the people out there that I've talked to have been looking for this. So I, this is like, you're kind of like, all right, you stick with us. You'll get what you want. Listeners just, just ride. Tell me what you think here. We're going to pause and you can listen. I've changed a lot this last year. I've gotten closer to Mother Nature. I can't hide my feelings anymore. I want to tell the world. Trees make me horny, trees make me horny I wanna rub myself up and down that bark until I bleed Oh please, oh please Let me hit them trees <laughs> Alright Matt, so you just listened to my fresh track, it's kind of a country take and uh yeah, you're crossing over like beyonce yeah yeah it's trying to break through a little bit you know i'm curious what you thought about the lyrics specifically trees make me horny i want to rub myself up and down that bark until i bleed <laughs> well what it is for me is it's real you know like i can tell now i've known you long enough and i know when it's it's you're, you're conjuring up something for followers <laughs> This is real, man. It's who you are. <laughs> I can see you, ra legs wrapped around a tree, like an oak, maybe something like that, and kind of passionately getting into it. And like, and the lyric probably just it just came to you in an act of of uh, tree love. Trees make me horny. Trees make me horny. I wanna rub myself up and down that bark until I bleed. Oh please, oh please, 
with them trees. Hello, Lance. Hello, Jake. Good, uh, good afternoon. Jake, thanks for coming back. Jake is our first uh, guest that's coming back in. You guys remember, it's probably our most listened to, most most uh, emotional, most erotic episode we had is with Jake. <laughs> uh, and his, his uh, actually, all three of us are kind of relationship with alcohol. But if you don't remember, Jake was in a band with Lance and always had a strong opinion about music. And I can remember having a lot of conversations with him in high school about anything from the Beatles to rap to... Uh, Depeche Mode, also known as Depeche Mahdi. I don't know if you remember that <laughs> conversation, Jake. Uh, uh, I do remember yeah. that. The uh, Violator album was big back then. Dope. But, uh, <laughs> so what happened was one of my friends, Jim, uh, when I was asking for ideas for the show way back when, was like, why don't you talk about the state of music and, uh, you know, state of music and if it's different if it's worse now if why is there no groundbreaking music coming out like nirvana or uh stuff like that and i asked jim if he wanted to come on he was like no he's a chicago guy like you probably spilling seed the vince vaughn movies and ryan sandberg and notre dame whatever you chicago people do you know he's one of those guys sandberg uh stay strong buddy yeah exactly uh so we're going to do the episode because as we mentioned last week, we're kind of tired of being self-healthy and soft. And we've had so much negative feedback about the show and the direction it's going that we're throwing a lifeline here. Jake, we need you to come in strong again, baby. You got the ratings, all right, on show one. And the oh only gosh. reason you're here is because you're a ringer. Your number numbers are up. So we're going to talk about the state of music. It can go in any direction. I am an old man and I do feel like music from the past is better. Uh, I'll give you an example. I, my, my general idea is why would I listen to this when I could listen to this? And you can put in anything that you like now. Any genre. Could be a, a soul, black soul singer. Let's say The Weeknd. Talented dude. Got a bunch of hits. Can whine and sing and, and cry and hit the high notes as good as anyone ever. Why would I listen to The Weeknd when I could listen to Al Green? And you're not going <laughs> to sell me on that. That's my, that's my take. Uh, now that might just be old guy thing. Like I'm just used to this old music or earth, wind and fire. Come on. Who's coming out funner than earth, wind and fire. Right? Like, so, uh, why is this the case? Some of it's true. Some of it's being old. Some of it is the digital media, digital, digital media allows, uh, people to, to lanzar, to, to, to launch music very quickly. And there's one hit wonders and all that stuff. That's the topic for today. Jake, thanks for coming back in. I'll uh, shut up and let you guys go off. Cause you guys are the musical experts although i do think this flows into all form of entertainment i talked to some comedian friends in denver that they told me that when they get booked now even though they have major tv credits and had a tv show the clubs will be like what's your numbers and they're literally asking them how many tiktok and instagram followers they have mm. so now these guys have been doing it for 20 years and they have an act and several hours of material but there are people that hit hard on tiktok don't really have an act but they're getting booked because of their numbers and i assume mm. that's what happens in music so there you go there's my intro it's quite an intro oh, by the way i do want to mention for jim thanks for the idea jim and and he's jim basically saying that music is not that developed i do want to say jim that's because you haven't heard or most like you're not acknowledging the greatness of the song shots by a collaboration of lmfao and Lil john mm, uh, yes that song is genius and here we go there is a lyric that says the ladies love us when we pour our shots. They need an excuse to suck. Finish it. 
our <laughs> cocks. And if you don't acknowledge the genius in that gym, then you you literally are the old man. You're like the guy in Gran Torino. You're uh you're Clint Eastwood's character in Gran Torino. If you don't acknowledge the genius, like connect that to Beethoven and all the great ones. The get off my lawn guy. Yeah, LMFAO, Miles Davis, <laughs> Beethoven. All right. God damn. Well, thanks for having <laughs> me back, guys. I am honored. Um, no, it's a lot of fun. I appreciate you asking me back. You know, I don't really know where to go on this, but you know, just for starters, I think my relationship with music was started pretty early because my parents were into like uh, playing records. And it was always, it started with the classic rock stuff because that's what they listened to. I didn't know anything. And back in those days, I, I don't, I'll probably try to stray away from that, <laughs> uh, saying that too much. But essentially, you know, you didn't, it was before I even discovered tapes. And I don't think I ever got into eight track, but the media of all this stuff has changed so much just in my lifetime. With our lifetime, it's crazy. But I remember listening to records. They were big into the Beatles, and I think most of the world was. That was a big deal in the 60s. And um, so a lot of my early memories were just kind of discovering that. And at some point, you, know, you just kind of follow a pathway into what you like, classic rock. You know, Al Green is in there. My parents were into, like, uh, Isaac Hayes. I remember the Hot Buttered Soul album, man. That's, soul, that's 70s funk. Ooh. But so to your point, Matt, a lot of – if you if you search up whatever streamer you have, Spotify, I use Apple stuff, but you can put on any playlist, like something like that. I, I actually did do this the other day, and it's funny that you're mentioning this. I put on 70s funk and soul, and it's just like a 150-song playlist, and you just listen to it, and all that, there's a lot of hooks in there that are redone and repurposed into songs that you here even now that people are making so i think music is essentially just like a lot of art but it, the artist always takes from what they learned you know and we'll probably get into this lance but how you wrote songs and you uh worked with the guitar or you created the, your music that you wanted had some sort of influence along the way right so mm -hmm. it's derivative right music is derivative it's totally derivative um I tend to, just for me, my own personal, I love to search for new music. I just love it. It's one of the things that it's, it's a good addiction. So how do you do that? Like, cause I'm not good at that at all, unless somebody recommends or I hear it on the radio. I guess you got Shazam now where you can Shazam a song you like, but what's your search, man? Like, how do you, how do you find new music? Cause I guess what you're alluding to is there's, there is good music out there. Oh, there's tons. Uh, but it's, it is definitely all derivative. I use Apple's. You know, if you have a streamer there, once you start searching music on there, they'll give you suggestions just like any any of these other things. Like they do that on Netflix, right? You watch a certain movie and they're like, you might like this. Happens the same with music. I tend to lean into um, alternative stations and alternative music, that kind of thing. So based on my like glory days of discovering Nirvana and all that, you know, stuff. So all that comes from certain stations that these things have built so they'll they'll it's so easy now they literally will just hey you might like this playlist and i'll just listen to it i just try hard to look for uh, and then once i find a newer band or whatever or some sort of singer or whatever it is 
I'll just kind of go down that rabbit hole and be like, oh, what else do they have? And that usually leads me to say, oh, you might like this. So it just kind of goes in that direction. But I definitely put time into it. Um, I yeah. still make playlists just like I used to make uh, cassette tapes, dude, <laughs> you know, and make, you know, all that kind of stuff and I repurpose it. You remember making a cassette tape and then you'd make a mix and then you didn't have money to buy another cassette tape and you were okay. So then you just you learn the trick where you put like, you put like a tape on it so you can re-record over it and all this kind of stuff. Like it's so easy now. It's so easy because it's just all available to you. As long as you're connected to your cell service, if you have your phone or Wi-Fi, you can get any song in the world. It's crazy. So that's how I do it. I just kind of just follow the rabbit hole a little bit. Me just constantly searching new three-piece power band is not going to yield the results that, that you're getting by being open and, and looking for new, new genres, I guess. You're, but your overall, uh, I don't know, like state of the union of the music industry and what's coming out, like is it positive for you or, no? or is it kind of like, damn, this is going in the wrong direction? Uh, I mean, I kind of accept art for what it is. I think a wow. lot of the stuff that I find now is, <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I, I like the, I like what I like, right? So I kind of gravitate that way, like what I was saying. But generally, a lot of the stuff is kind of moving back what I find is softer for sure. A lot of the newer bands that are like alternative quote unquote, they're kind of uh, very radio friendly. It, it's almost very in line with like yacht rock almost. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. not hard at all. It's, but it's, it's got a good beat. It, you know, it can give you a good chorus, make you feel pretty good for a couple seconds. It's just, you know, it's like very, it's not aggressive, that's for sure. I maybe, but I'm out of the rap game. My son now is trying to teach me about the rap game, but I'm way out of that because that's one of those the '90s rap thing I can't get over because I could actually understand the lyrics and I wanted to rap the lyrics. Now it's really hard for me, and that's like the old music, the old man in me is trying to mm -hmm. get with this rap. But like I, I have Sirius uh, radio in the car or XM. It's, you don't call it serious anymore. I like you call it XM. So like I'll listen to uh, TikTok radio. They have a station. So like I'm trying to keep up on what my son is maybe scrolling through and what he's listening to. Oftentimes I, I find he's discovering music that he's like, oh, you know this song? And it's like, I don't know, Jesse was a friend of mine or something crazy. And I'm like, oh, gosh. <laughs> something oh, like yeah. that. So Jesse's girl. I think rap has taken the hit more than any other genre like I, it's like a lot of auto tune, too much auto tune. I think. Uh, uh, that's that. That's even an old man's uh, critique. That's like fifteen years old. Well, they're still doing it. Auto tune sucks, bro. That people were saying that in like '05. Well, I'm just saying, Matt. Well, do you are you think that rap's going in the right direction? I don't listen to it, bro. I'm so myopic. I'm the opposite of Jake in terms of eclectic taste. I'm I, uh, very narrow minded and I will listen to the same alternative 80s, 90s. There's always some something about the the person, no matter what we're talking about, who's a little more chill and open, seems to have a little more fun with everything, you know? <laughs> Don't they? Like, like yeah. Jake just going, yeah, it's all good. Uh, he's like enjoying music where we're not. We're, we're angry. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. No, uh, I'm like yeah. ramming the sex pistols down my kid's throat. They're like, yeah, that's cool, man. <laughs> Great. Like playing it before my son's basketball games, like that's going to pump him up. 
I'm not kidding. Yeah, yeah. I well, I, I spent a long lot of time trying to sell them a bill of goods, though. Like, I was like, <laughs> all right, we got to figure out this walk-up song, son. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, here, here's my top five. You know, so let's, <laughs> let's figure out if you like any of these, right? And, you know, the first three of them were like a few uh, – few bars of rage against the machine he's like what is this and i'm like this is this is amazing <laughs> lance tie back to letting them have their own journey do it lance exactly Make yourself yeah. exactly <laughs> yeah Make it up. so what did he pick uh he ended up with um a couple different things but it's kind of hip-hop based he ended up with eminem one year and they had a kanye west song on that one time but he yeah. eventually finds it he eventually finds what he likes. All right. But yeah, that's, but still they're going back like 15 years, you know, like, I think it's like the article you picked out, Lance, there's, they're still like leaning. Yeah. All, all my, my kids and their generation love Eminem, but they're loving the Eminem that came out. Like when we, I mean, all of it, but like when we were probably in our twenties, cause that dude's been around forever now. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a good point. Um, I rediscovered, or not rediscovered, I discovered Ozzy Osbourne when he came out with No More Tears. I didn't know him from when he sang, when he was in Sabbath and he was, you know, that Paranoid album. I didn't know anything about that. And then, so I think that's kind of what that happens organically. If they're interested in something, they'll go back and find it. So, you know, Cash heard the new, that's my son's name, he heard the new Eminem song, and that's even five or six years old now and he's like this guy raps fast this is crazy and then and then i go well listen to this and this and then he just found it and he ended up with his walk-up song was lose yourself but he had no idea that existed so i think that's what happens you just kind of go backwards a little bit once you find something i do journey. every 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 time where the, i have that moment where it's like hey why don't you check this out could be rap could be anything and then i always go i'm like check this out it's always led zeppelin it could be like, what's a what's a replacement for the weekend? Here, check this out. It's called the Immigrant Song. I love that. <laughs> Everything goes back to one band. That's that's how yeah. I handle parenting. It's good parenting. Hey, I'm. Uh, let's get some controversy into this motherfucker. No, I'm kidding. Oh yeah. Uh, what's your gut though? The old stuff or the new stuff? Now you sound like you're setting goals. You're you're like you're like working hard to like attain this new music knowledge. I would venture to think it'd be harder to be as attached to the new music since you're old and we're decrepit and our lives are on the down but you tell me because you're working hard to to, uh find that new music does it connect at the same level uh i think well let's see i like the i like the newness of it because it's something that i haven't experienced yet right i think it's exciting that's exciting to me um the old stuff is, I don't know, it's, it's great. Uh, but I've heard it a million times. So okay. that's where the, the energy comes for me. Like, But trust me, I don't know if it's goals because I'm passionate about it and I want to find it. But I do find that it's hard work. I mean, like, it's real easy to go pop in Led Zeppelin 4, no doubt, <laughs> because it's going to hit. Um, so is How it, about this I, question, Jake? Are, do you prefer the Nine Inch Nails version of Hurt or Johnny Cash's version of Hurt? Nine Inch Nails. Oh, you're fucking crazy. You're wrong. <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah? 
Johnny's on. version. Uh, hey, listen, I love John. I love Johnny. I think everybody, that was another one of those things when <laughs> artists cover other artists, then you're like, oh, who did the original? I always like the original. I don't know. I, I'm that way with movies too. Like the second ones usually sucks. The first one's always better. Yeah, people don't even know. They've never even heard of Tracy Chapman. And that was the biggest hit this year was that country dude that I've never heard of covering Fast Car. Right. And he's all, you got a Vegas car. And uh, then they heard her sing and they all are like, oh my gosh, she's fucking way better. All these young people. <laughs> right. I had a reggae version of, of uh, Hotel California last night that was pretty dope. I don't think these people are, are uh, you know, lighting up the Billboard Top 40, but I'm sure nobody in that crowd had any idea about the Eagles. Oh, yeah, no. Didn't like that band. What, the Eagles? Never liked them. Would you say dump your asses as far as the uh, audience? The Eagles? Or <laughs> I can't think of another another band where you're just like, what? I bet you it's a bunch of horrible, middle-aged, white, dumpy asses. 10,000 of them. asses. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, that California, it's like really bordering on Yacht Rock, and I kind of like yeah. that. But my parents grew up, I grew up listening to that crap because they loved it. They would listen to, I don't know, all that yeah. Yacht Rock Didn't rock you stuff, like Jimmy so. Buffett? Weren't you guys fucking with Jimmy Buffett? Um, my dad is a big Jimmy Buffett fan. Rest hey, in peace. Your parents are Colorado people, man. Like, I think that's a, <laughs> out there, like a lot of people like that chill Steve Miller vibe, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, you know? all that stuff. That's your parents are Colorado folk, not back on the East Coast. People are grinding it out. <laughs> yeah. You know, more heavy Where they listen. Shit. To, yeah. <laughs> it's true, though. Colorado's a pretty chill place and chill. I remember when I moved to Colorado from New Jersey, and I was like, what is all this bullshit? Like everyone back in New Jersey was like, had, not me, but had jean jackets with fucking rock band shit on the back where like anywhere mm -hmm. from zeppelin to def leppard to guns and roses what about you bon guys jovi? All, you guys bon are all jovi fucking, had to be in there oh uh, yeah of course bon jovi but when i moved to i moved to colorado and you fools are all listening to like bell bib devoe i was like what is going on here dude shit like that there was definitely like a like kind of a well i'll stop there but there was a, a crossover vibe from some of the white kids it was like come on fools like get your mm -hmm. color me bad out of my face you know but but that's it's regional it's a little bit regional in the u.s too right but uh yeah so jake's winning that's what we've established here in the first 20 minutes jake's open he's winning he's getting new music i do want to i know lance you probably have some questions but just you know one of the things that my friend asked is like there was a cultural shift right when you kind of went from hair band music to to grunge through the 90s and and kind of people like I don't know. I think that was like, we were like the parents are divorced generation. Like a lot of people got all emotional in the in the 90s compared to the 80s of like party rock hair metal. And same mm -hmm. with rap. All of a sudden rappers were like, NWA were like, we're going to talk some serious shit, say whatever we want. And white kids in Illinois are going to fucking listen to it and buy it. Mm -hmm. So So Jake and Lance, you guys are more up to date on music. Has there been anything that's a cultural shift, and as my friend said, not the same cookie cutter shit. Do you believe that there has been has that happened? Uh, and what is it? Let's see. I would think that. Um, so you made Kanye, me think of Doctor. You, you, 
you made me think of Dr. Dre, right? Uh, 92 was a huge year. You had blood sugar sex magic by the Chili Peppers. You had Dr. Dre, the chronic. You had, gosh, Rage Against the Machine came out right there. Pearl Jam was right there. Like there was a major axe that came like, and that was right when we were in high school. That was like big time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the the biggest shift I, I have seen or noticed in the music industry happened, and this is wild because I always tell my wife about this. She's like, you're crazy, but hey, I'm on a podcast and say what I want. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you're free, um, baby, you're free. She's just like, she's like, again with that? Come on, dude. Um, but um, do you, uh, I don't, so there's a band called the Black Eyed Peas, right? So they were a 90s sort of rap hip hop outfit yep. thing. And at some point, they made an album. It was like a, it was a big album, and it it really mixed dance mi- music and rap. And they had a whole bunch of like DJ type stuff. Before that point, I felt like I, if I wanted to hear electronic dance music, we used to call it like trance or whatever it was called. You'd have to yeah. go to like the church in Denver to hear it. You know, yeah, it would yeah. be like DJs playing forever and ever, and Lance. Jeff from our band was always into that like vibe, that whole like dance vibe. Like, and he knew all the artists, all the, all the old art. And they would just, and my whole thing about that was like, it was a separate scene. Well, right? It was a separate scene. And it was just like, I didn't have a lot of respect for it because I was like, I actually had a little bit of knowledge of a working band and what it took to collaborate. And it was just one guy on stage. <laughs> but that was like a big movement. And I was even, kind of old mentally back then kind of because i was like ah this is one guy on stage all they're doing is spinning records became a big deal but then at some point the black eyed peas put out an album and it mixed those two and ever since then like it's like every pop artist is trying to put like some dance vibe track on their deal and i think that was a big shift in the music industry i don't know if that affected many people but I know a lot of people are into dance music and a lot of people are into rap, so it might have had some some big effect. I mean, that's I had mm-hmm. that's 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 my take there. But wow. But other than that, like there's been there's been a bunch of stuff that's happened. I think that was one of the big ones for sure. Bringing it, bringing it on '94. I'm blown <laughs> away. I I wouldn't I I I could I would have bet a billion dollars and not, I would have been like Jake's gonna say Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> I don't know. It's just something I noticed, and I'd, I'd always felt like that was it. I don't know. Go back, go back. But and you're you're, you're so right, though. Like I don't know if they started, it, but like the the idea of like fusion and music, like kind of crossover from different genres, is probably is there's not there's no clear lines anymore. Like a guy, a new guy that I like is uh, Tame Impala, which has a lot of like electric sounds, but it's like rock and roll. But even even like like uh, even Kanye, for example, his music is all fucked up. Like like all these different types of like it's getting more and more crazy. But it's definitely not just straight up rap with like a, a nice beat. It's got a lot of like you know I don't know horns and and singing and symphonies. So I think you're right. That t- and and I think Beyonce is singing country now. Like there's there's not only yeah. just fusion in the music in the tracks, but also kind of like. Hey, maybe that's one positive thing is like the lines aren't clear and, and you're not divided just by uh, any way we used to divide people by their hair or race. Or, uh, there you go, Matt. Sexual orientation. Yeah. Sexual orientation, right. Yeah, I think most new artists are, are gay now, right? That's just the thing that we just have to admit. So. <laughs> bye, at least. Yeah. Um, hey, well, bye. Yeah, actually, I mean bye. Everyone's bye. 
Yeah. That's yeah, a thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I think it's a good theory though, Jake. Black Eyed Peas were very prominent and, you know, they brought in the white girl that could sing some soul. Mm -hmm. It was all, yeah. an all, all around interesting group. I thought there was a moment for folk though with the aggressive, I wouldn't call it aggressive, but upbeat folk rock. And I don't know, maybe it lasted like eight, eight years. Uh, the Mumford Lumineers kind of oh, grew. Yeah. Bearded music. Yeah, and you had all the beer brewery people, people who would brew <laughs> beer, all kind of corralling around that type of music. And uh, oh, I God, can't. That got played. I love the music. Yeah. The Lumineers are amazing, but the whole beard thing. I mean, people down here is a bunch of dudes yeah. walking around their beards. It's like, come on, dude. Yeah. Grooming, Wearing shorts. Yeah. Shorts and winter kind of people. And, oh, like, you know, uh, you know Seattle people. I mean, nobody yeah, flip flops. Wears shorts it probably and started up hoodies. there, dude. I'm sure it started up there. It kind oh, of fits sure. the coffee shop vibe, everything. Yeah. yeah. Look at Jake just got just railing on his community now. Absolutely yeah. destroying Seattle. Yeah, no. Good yeah, job, you, got, you got outdoors and sweatpants and jam jams, and you're fine. You're, you're dressed for success. Um, but I think you're right, Lance, because, well, there's a guy, Noah Khan, right now that's kind of doing the same things that folk, super popular. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, I just the guy that. that's The guy that's real popular right now that's actually doing multiple genres, super talented guy is that Post Malone. He's doing country. Oh, he's doing... Oh, fuck that guy. He's doing rap. He's doing rock. He's doing all this Too many stuff. tats. Too many tats. <laughs> he does have a lot of tats. By the way, tats now are not unique. Like at all, like you go pick oh. up your kids at kindergarten and I'm the only one not wearing any ink. And it's like, I everyone's know. like got a cross and a, and a dragon drilling of, of angel or is it like everybody's got some, <laughs> some ink. It's crazy. It's not unique anymore. People, your tats are not cool. Most popular tat in, in 2012, a dragon fucking an angel. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> Stupid. All right. Uh, what about you, Lance? State of music or ground ground break? Like, where's your last breakthrough that was culturally shifting, as my man Jim mentioned? Um, I, I talk shit about being narrow-minded, but I like to listen to whatever. I, I do like the pop girls, the the divas. I love the Tay Tay. I love the um, Ooh. Katy Perry. I love that crew. I don't know why. Well, they're I don't know, they're, what, I don't know what Tay Tay is. Taylor Swift. They're cute. Oh, okay. They're vibing. Uh, I don't. It's not like I love the music, but it, it's it's good stuff. It's easy to listen to. Mm, so, yeah. uh, but it does not compare to the first time I popped in Alice in Chains' "Dirt," and I listened to albums back in the day. Like it's Taylor Swift doesn't compare to "Dirt." Nothing today compares to what I experienced back in the day. I can tell you, I went through that album, you know, start to finish. May, probably 200 times. I went through Counting Crows, August and everything after, start to finish 200 times. Just albums that for some reason spoke to me when I was younger. I, I will never get that back. There's no artist today that is going to get me back into that intensity. The jury has spoken, my friends, that older music <laughs> is, is the best. Is the best? Yeah. I, that's, my, <clears throat> that's my feeling. I think the memories are what makes it so unique and these kids today will have their memories of some rappers like just saying the same shit no real dynamics in the rhyming just some bullshit mm -hmm. uh, they'll love it they'll think it's the best thing that ever happened 
Yeah, because it because it, it ties you to whatever the moment and time that you were listening to it. I mean, Counting Crows, August and everything after, they actually just came to Washington. First time I've ever seen him. But, you know, he's way past his prime. I mean, it was cool. He's like and 280. He's, he's been doing, he's a large fellow. A larger. What was he before? 260? No, you like know, 185. No, he went from, uh, he's a down lineman now. He was a middle linebacker. Yeah, yeah. Now he's a nose guard. Yeah, he's, he's a bigger, bigger fellow now. Run but, stopper. Um, He's been doing Mr. Jones for decades now or whatever. <laughs> like he's, he, you know, he just kind of oversing it the way he would. But for me, I wanted him to sing it the way it was on the album. So I was like, man, that wasn't so great. Because like for me, back in 94, when I heard that and I went on senior trip to Mexico, that was the hot ticket, man. And I love that. <laughs> I love that album too. And I, I still listen to it. It's great. Top Can we bottom. imitate him real quick? Because the the song goes, Mister Jones, and he he come in in a concert and be like, Mister Jones, and me. He doesn't need to do that either because they have a catalog. I never got into them as much as you guys, but at all actually. But I was out. I was out watching. I was like, some bars here will play all just all night play songs from like eighties and nineties, and they were playing. I was out with a friend, and they were playing Midnight Oil's, uh, I don't know, Beds Are Burning, I think it's called. Hell yeah. And I don't I don't think Midnight Oil has too many hits because they made it a 45-minute song because like that was the concert. Because they was like, that's all we got. It was so funny. <laughs> they, had, they were bringing people up from the crowd playing the fucking triangle for like 10 minutes, and they're just like, come on, woo. Then they go back into the chorus and then come out, drum solo. 28 minutes go back out it was like that's it midnight oil like three they encored in the middle of the song like three times i don't <laughs> like, even know well, what decade midnight oil is from like that'd be one like of those bands 80s right I think, is yeah. it an 80s band okay yeah. but it just reminded me because it just reminded me because you're saying that uh what's his name adam something horowitz Durowitz. yeah Durowitz, he, was, like he was milking milking uh milking that song for what it's worth like during the oh, concert man. but he, they got enough hits they don't need to do it they have tons of hits, yeah. They got hits for days. That was a groundbreaking band, or just a good band for the for the nineties? Because I don't know if they were groundbreaking. Like why? Say. Why? Why would you say uh, that? Because one of the first bands with REM, but in a different style, that didn't rhyme everything uh, primarily. The lyrical structure. Would you think they would be sort of uh, derivative from? Like yeah. Bob Dylan, exactly. Yes, of course. Something like Bob that. and Van Morrison and others, but definitely a different style, uh, similar to Alanis Morissette, and it's just mm-hmm. slight, it's slightly different, talky, conversational, uh-huh. but no, not a lot of uh, needless rhyming. But I'm gonna see if you can get there with Counting Crows at their groundbreaking. There's got to be some music in the last twenty years that you could. The first album only, to be honest, but yes. Uh, there certainly is it's true you it's a good point matt <laughs> it's a very good point <laughs> if, if you could say that that piece of shit is groundbreaking lance then you could get there uh, with, it, with it goes to your own memories that's why we all sound like old pieces of shit like that's counting, true there's way well, better then, bands than counting then, all right you're right about that but i want to take this another direction again thanks jim lance you and i talked a little bit about it on the so there's I say the biggest shift in music is digital media, right? Like, can you do you remember when Napster came out? Like how insane mm-hmm. that that was, and that is the world we live in now. Like we have instant access to everything. Uh, you don't have like you don't have a million CDs around you. 
So that mm-hmm. shifted and made it the good and bad is it made it easier for people to get recognized and the bad is like people just crank you're inundated with tons of shit. So how did that it, did that make people does that drive people to be less groundbreaking because it's like well I can get a I can get a catchy hit pretty quickly and and get it out there or or do you think that's affected uh, like because I think I don't you guys know more about it than me like when Nirvana somebody like geffen or somebody had to launch nirvana right had to get behind them and, and put the marketing campaign and, and and get on the radio so that's how they were launched and now nobody needs to do anything but but uh get make it viral mm-hmm. so anybody could do that essentially and so mm-hmm. it's good access for some people but i think it's probably watered down the amount of the music a little bit maybe that's why you don't see the cultural shift with some stuff yeah Oh, sorry, guys. I just mind fuck you. Go ahead, Jake. You've been you've been very uh, very smart on this episode. So. No, 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 not smart at all. Just like my experience of this is when Lance and I and the the others in our little band project, it was all sort of guerrilla marketing stuff where we would have free tickets to give out, and we would have to hustle to try to get people through the door and follow up with them. Um, to sell a CD, I had to do it at a show. At some point, I think Dave or Lance found, Dave, my brother, he found CD Baby, which was essentially a place where we could put our CD, where they, people could buy it, right? Right, Lance? Mm-hmm. And then I think at some point, CD Baby was swallowed up by Apple or somebody, some of a bigger thing. So you can find our music where... What's that? I think it's there. It's just all digital now. Yeah, it's all digital. So yeah. it... It's been, does it water it down? Is that the question? I don't know. I mean, I think a groundswell is a groundswell, but so much of social media now, just like you said, I think when we were talking before we started recording, Matt, is that it's about likes and it's about what content you're putting on your Instagram page or whatever it is. It sort of drives all this stuff too. So it's definitely different. Um, I don't know. It, it's still the same old excitement. I think people like music when they really like it and they'll go buy it somehow. But I don't know how artists get paid, honestly. It's probably per stream because it used to be per spin on the radio and or if a unit you sold it. So it's completely different. I mean, yeah, Lance, almost what, all I mean, of them are making zero dollars on streaming unless it yeah, goes absolutely slow. Ancient. But do you think, Jake, that people are less attached to that music that comes out that way? Then, then maybe when you have that physical thing that you bought that you run 200 times through the CD 100%. player. 100%. Yeah. 100%. Because I think that, I mean, I do have opinions. I'm not all wishy-washy on everything. <laughs> so Just like, alcohol and your life. <laughs> Peace and love, no. Jake. Whoa. According, to, according love. to your friends. Yeah. You should have said this, Jake. <laughs> so I felt like, uh, I, I feel like, just like you were describing with this Counting Crows thing. It's like you get attached to it and it's yours. Um, people like I have my wife's dad will tell me the four albums he bought in a record store that he still remembers just playing them at it, you know, over and over and over again. He'll never forget that. I can tell you when I search for new music now, I'll be like, oh, this band's pretty cool, but I don't have a physical copy of it. And mm-hmm. I can just kind of put them, put this band neatly into a little playlist or something on my phone that's stored in the cloud somewhere. So it's not like I'm carrying it around. I don't have a CD sleeve in my car, <laughs> which I used to have, or like the, the double CD book or whatever. That's all gone. But I, 
So that kind of thing is a way, like, I don't think you're as attached to it anymore. Like, I remember it was important to bring your music to a party. You're like, ah, I'll bring the music. You know, like now it's just like, if you have Wi-Fi, you can get any song you want. So if I find a new artist, I'm like, oh, they're pretty cool. I'll throw them on a playlist. But I'm not attached to it like it used to be. Yeah. So, well, I get um, an opportunity because I think there's a corollary here to to use porn as a, <laughs> as a good comparison here. But think about if you had a magazine of Playboy or Hustler, was Hustler the dirty one? Where they showed, I think so. Yes, more provocative, maybe. Yeah. Okay. So you could get attached to a particular girl in that magazine, and you could use that picture a lot. And now, if you have access to like Pornhub or something like that, I mean, you could be surfing for days, just rabbit hole. Just like, nope, not good enough, not good enough. Is that a title, Jake, or are you just saying that it could be a, yeah. a rabbit hole? It's the title of a rabbit hole. Yeah, yeah, check it out, rabbit hole. Yeah, but okay, so that just, I want to color it for people via porn because I think that's what it is. It's music porn. It's like, I don't, eh, not good enough. I'll go on to the next thing to get my next dopamine hit. And we oh. didn't have that luxury back in the day. We had the CD, we already invested in it, and we, huh? we, we went through all of what that uh, body of music had had to offer, right? Dude, like, so Candlebox. I really tried to like that band. Really did. <laughs> I only had one good song on the dang album, maybe two. I never tried so hard. I had already bought the CD, and I'm like, man, I got to like this. So, you know, I really tried. But, like, nowadays, nowadays I'd be like, ah, I'm, I'm, I'm yeah. over it, you know, like – if I would have run across Candlebox now, in half a second. Apparently, oh, the yeah. world and the music industry agreed with you. <laughs> like, yeah. That band was fine. But the other oh. thing about the music now is, is uh, you know, I don't know if this ties the porn, al- porn analogy, but I realized my daughter, the music isn't always the thing. Like, like she's discovering music because it's it's tied to some video or a trend or something, and they're and they're playing the mm-hmm. music. So the music isn't a thing. So she'll be like, oh, I know that song. I know every word of that song. But she didn't discover it because she was just listening to a CD. She's just discovering it because something else popped on the internet. And uh, which a good point. I would, I'm trying so hard creatively to make that to get tie that to porn. Well, <laughs> well, to that point though, do you know Lizzo? Lizzo, you know who Lizzo is? I think I've probably heard it a million times, but don't know who it is because my well, daughter's she's a, playing she's it. She's kind of a big girl. I feel like I don't know if her her music must be really good, but. I think she also became prominent because of the sort of anti-body shaming movement because she wears extremely provocative clothes for quite a big girl. And I think people latched onto it for that. I'm not saying there's a link to porn there, but to your point, there's something beyond the music that's creating that loyalty. You just reminded me as a comedian I used to work with, I think his name is Pat... I don't want to hack his joke, but he'd come out and be like, I'm in the big girls. Really big. I'm talking 130, 135. That, that was a joke. <laughs> made me laugh so hard. That's great. He had a bunch of offensive jokes. They were so well written, though. Amazing. Is it Pat Nixon? Yeah. Okay. Really oh, cool. a little plug. But this yeah. girl, yeah. There you go. But this girl, this girl you're talking about is, well, that's another trend. I, I think that's probably like body size seems to not be an issue. Like there's a lot of like big girls singing now, right? Like they're not all like little, uh, I don't know, Samantha Fox looking right. girls or Samantha Fox. 
I couldn't think. I guess Fergie, the one you were talking about, Fergie, she was pretty, really like, skinny. Eh? Well, yeah, but that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying that her, uh, it could be weight. It could be that she, I don't know, wears snakes around her neck. But something other than the music is bringing bringing people yeah. to her. Yeah. Well, I think that I think that's definitely valid for sure. Whether it's, it's like a, a British soul, white soul singer who's pretty big too, who's pop, been popular for the last like ten years. Adele. Adele, she's big, right? I think. Yeah. <laughs> Look at Matt's like. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're so linear. I'm just like, Batgirl. Who else is fat? You're like, uh, what's that one band? Uh, they're rappers. They're from the Bronx. Uh, yeah, Beastie Boys. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> dude you don't and even he lists know off how all little, the other white rappers you you have no idea how little i know about this i've been unplugged for so BC long man i still am they're, yeah. they're great and i got my kids do love the beastie boys and acknowledge their greatness there my daughter go. the other day was saying like those guys are are crazy huh they're like geniuses and they were crazy i'm like i don't know about crazy but i don't they, know about geniuses they, uh, yeah, you never got into the Beastie Boys. Good producer. Fucking Good producer. Slapping it to Counting Crows. Yeah, and their MC is dope. Mario was, the beats are totally fat. It, like, they were laying down beats and covering, like, uh, like funk bands before a lot of the other rappers were. So, I don't, don't get it. Don't get me going down that path, but that's where I got off the bus. Tool, Beastie Boys, like, why? what else do I need? What, what else do I need, man? You know, that's another thing, by the way, if you ever let you guys, I don't know if you guys like tool, but that band uh -huh. is so, so amazing. But if you listen to the lyrics, you're like, what happened to this poor guy when he was mm. a kid? Yeah. And like, I don't know if, I don't know if there's, which is probably a good thing, but the crazy shit that happened to some people to get to, I don't know if that's still happening. You know, like, the what do you mean? He like, singing about? You don't m molestations no longer happening? Yeah. Or? Like, well, I don't know if like, is there music out there where it's really processing trauma or like with some of the bands you're talking about, like maybe Alice in Chains or Tool, where you're like, wow, there's some weird shit going on with these people. Like those guys were mm -hmm. heroin addicts too. But like, which unfortunately, like is great for art. Drug Here's my theory. Heroin. It's all good for art. Here's my theory. And I think it might be valid, but they're still doing it. But today, instead of having some mystery within the underlying message of lyrics, like some, they're just fucking saying it. My dad raped me. My motherfucking dad raped me. And now I'm all fucked up inside. Now they're just like saying, it's just straight it's, up. There's no art to it. It's just, so there's uh, no, just, there's no cloak and dagger. There's no like, yeah, you know, you. struggle, poetry. It's just straight up. We're, we're too <laughs> he thought he could that. stick it in my ass. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> now I'm in therapy for years. Uh. Dude, I'm like, hey, I look. love, I love playing the strings with Lance. I can, I can, I can, I can get you going anywhere. <laughs> yeah. First take. No, I gotta cut it out, dude. I'm just, it's too grotesque. I didn't mean to say, I didn't mean to say, Dad. I meant to say something else, dude. You, uh, I don't know what. Hopefully, you leave some of it in so this makes sense. But you mentioned yesterday. We, for some reason, we thought Danzig actually had a couple murders, like a couple kills, like he was homicidal, and there was some mystery there. And I think we all probably thought NWA and Snoop and all those guys were actually gangbanging. And like, I don't even, I don't know, Dr. Dre was like in a church choir. Like not, I don't know if those guys were even like the hardest dudes in Compton. And uh -huh. so, but there was mystery. That, I think Easy was the only one that was legit. 
like an actual fucking gangbanger. And like, but there was mystery there where you believed it a little bit, you know? Yeah, I mean, that's part of the theater and it's probably part of uh, Lizzo thing that, that you were talking about, Lance. I mean, it's the story behind it or what's the history of the person, what's going on, what makes them like, where you want to follow them, figure out what they're saying, whether or not it's some deep mystery like Maynard from Tool or, you know, whether Dr. Dre was really just sort of, just into like 70s soul funk and he was a good producer. He wasn't really on the street kind of a thing, but that was packaged up. That's that shit was awesome. Right. It was mm-hmm. packaged up like, Oh, you're listening to guys that are in a war zone in Compton. Right. Yeah. So, and, but like, that's a, that's an interesting thing. What about, I don't know if you're, uh, if this is, we should talk about this though, but I think one of the trends with music and it goes back to this derivative thing we were talking about is Hollywood's gotten involved in making these biopics for all these major artists and bands. Um, like Queen a few years ago, everybody seemed to love that one. You learn about that. Oh, yeah, yeah, they did yeah. an Elton John one, uh, which was not as great as somebody's measure, but they just did the Bob Marley movie. The kids uh-huh. now are like learning about, like my son was so into that because he heard some Bob Marley song on a TikTok probably. And then... We happened to go see a new movie, and then they showed this biopic was coming about about Marley, and then he was just obsessed with mm-hmm. like, oh, let's listen to this Marley song, you know, and that Marley song. And I remember there was one point in my life where I got a hold of that album, The Legend, which was this sort of compilation of his greatest hits, and I was like, this is Marley, this is amazing, right? So it's like it keeps coming back, like all. So maybe that that re- reinforces your uh, every, <laughs> what you're saying, Lance. And what you were saying, Matt, is that the old shit's the best, man. It's, it just keeps coming back in different forms. Or it just comes back through some other medium and they're like, oh, man, Bob Marley was sweet. And it's still the best. You know, nobody's going to do reggae better. This was sort of the paramount thing. I don't know. That's interesting for sure. We're talking about pretty big, pretty big legends. Like maybe if, if the scope, because this is really a new genre, right? It's like rock and roll has been around for 60 years. And and all the all the derivatives of it, rap and and so maybe if this this stuff is around for five hundred years, you might get three Bob Marleys, right. five Beatles, five Midnight Oils. Like whoa, you, you're, you're going not going to get a hundred of them. Yeah, you're not going. You're get- expanding <laughs> my mind. You just blew uh, my brain. To that beds are burning, Jake. You want to admit it? Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to find. But but maybe that's also the thing is like well we're talking like you know Elvis. I don't know about Elvis, but say Sinatra, Beatles, like uh, that's over the course of 80 years. Like, and there's a few of them. And maybe, maybe there's one that's about the pop, but it's just because, all right, 20 years is not really a long time to not have a cultural shift. No, mm-hmm. it's a good point, dude. Another good point. And I'll use not porn, but the NBA to, I think, illustrate that. Like, so you look at uh, Michael Jordan. Like how long does it take to have another guy that you'd compare to Michael Jordan or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? It just takes time. In all likelihood, like Luka Doncic or whoever you want to pick is going to be in that category at some point. You could argue somebody else, whatever. But Taylor Swift, some of these other, Beyonce, they'll be up there. I just think the industry itself, it's too easy for them to promote what was already famous versus yeah, why, why brand, wouldn't you right you know what's a brand, catchy, you right it's good yeah a brand new person like why would i invest in a completely brand new person yeah so that's the challenge 
Yeah, the NBA, yeah. They do those reboots all the time. They're like, well, let's do a new Spider-Man movie. Everybody likes that. They're pussies, yeah. dude. The The production companies have lost all the spirit of Hollywood. They're fucking money-grubbing pussies. It's like every industry that ages, go back to like fucking Kodak, whatever big company that's fallen apart, they're, they're pussies now. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, what about... <laughs> we should probably end right there, but we got at least another three hours. What about Lance? We talked about you guys would know. Is the is the quality of the, is the the sound not developed enough? There's not enough character in the music because the Beatles were sent off to I think it was Hamburg or Berlin, Germany, and had to play three shows a night for two years. You guys were driving around the U.S. playing shitty gigs, trying to figure out your sound. And I don't know if people have to do that as much now because they're they're trying to get they're trying to get their music out through digital media. And what about the lack of that grind that makes everyone better, whether it's stand up or music? Like, do you think that might be negatively affecting the industry? You talk about, I mean, all these, you know, all these bands, these huge bands have their stories. Like U2. When we were, I saw U2 in St. Louis, my wife was like 42 weeks pregnant and it was like 105 degrees at, uh, at like nine o'clock at night. I had like, 15 Red Bull and vodkas, I believe. And it wasn't, mm. wasn't just out of straight up alcoholic state. It was like to survive. It was so hot. But uh, I remember Bono going, dude, he go, he had a piece of paper. He's like, our first set list in, in St. Louis was at Washington University. And he was laughing because they only had five songs. And he's like, we we played, we came back and played Pride in the Name of Love three times to fill out the, the uh, set list. So he was like laughing because they had it on a piece of paper. It was like, Pride, then they played like four songs, then Pride, and then and then leave, encore, come back, hit Pride again. But all these guys <laughs> grinded hard for a long time. Yeah, for sure. And I don't know if people have to do that, but like, you know, that probably helps the quality of the sound after a while when it becomes easy, right? And when it becomes like like your instruments are connected to your body. Yeah, I think that you're you're onto something with what I look for when I go to see a band live because I did it for a small window of my life. I understand that it's just the musicianship is amazing when you see it done well, right? You can see somebody that maybe were on American Idol, and even that's old now, or, you know, that's old man stuff now, or the voice or something, and they just have a backing band. But if they're doing the time on the road or practicing in the basement, whatever they're doing, right, they create this working relationship just like anything and i think matt uh i mean lance you know what i'm talking about where mm-hmm. i was thinking about the other day where you could be playing a song that you've rehearsed a million times and there's there's a point where you're sort of in the pocket where you just you can kind of go anywhere in the song with the band that you're with just by like all right we want to speed it up and you don't even have to say it you just have to sort of give somebody a a nudge or a look and then all of a sudden there's no there's no other feeling like it it's probably how really good basketball teams feel when they're just kind of moving without the ball and they just know where to be mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff so i think there's something to that like you may not see it performed very well a big artist that hasn't had to do the time matt right but right. You, you but that's not completely gone because there's definitely bands that still do the time on the road and then tour incessantly and all that stuff yeah, yeah and I'm much. guessing you have to, right? Because you're not making money on record deals, so you, so you gotta you gotta go live. You gotta be good live, probably. 
as well. Maybe, yeah. Depends on, yeah, exactly. And if you're not going on the digital media path, yeah. Yeah, which I hate, digital media. But no, I liked, um, there was about a year there where we were, our our band was really tight. And the the Peppermint Sleeves album, even though we recorded that in like one day, Mm -hmm. still reflects, I think, just a moment of uniqueness and tightness than, you know, than anything else. Certainly much better than that piece of shit I largely did on my own that had <laughs> so many layers. No, it wasn't a piece of shit, but it had so many layers in it and it was trying to be catchy. So I liked that. There was feel. good tunes on that album, dude. I, there I are, I know. Yeah, yeah. But there, I, I liked that uh, tightness that we had at one point that was just like real fun to play. We knew we were going to entertain regardless if people liked our music. But Matt, to your point, dude, your U2 story, um, we had a song called Earthquake. We play that multiple times if we needed to, depending on what the situation was. You know, oh, yeah. you'd be like, hit this thing up again. I remember we played in a, <laughs> like a, a ski town or something. I'm, they just kept saying, play the song again. And we were like, no, no, no. But they wanted to hear it. So we gave it to them. I think we played uh, one song three times one night, you know, like, oh, yeah. Fuck it. they probably forgot about it, though. They were they're bombed so they're like oh I'll buy that song again yeah uh, it's so great <laughs> there are endless stories that would hijack this whole episode but like there, yeah, there, sure. there was that one fucking guy in ogden utah that old guy that kind of yeah. cor- cornered me in the back of the room it's like you gotta let it bleed <laughs> i remember you that gotta, you gotta <laughs> let it bleed i like what you're doing i like your songs but let it bleed and he just kept repeating let it bleed oh okay all right I don't know what you mean. I think he actually told me too, or one of the other band members like, Hey, you know, I like what you're doing, but you got to let your lead singer bleed. (laughs) (laughs) We're like, this is getting a little wacky out here. He wanted to to cut me. You're like, Oh, you specifically mean him. He needs to let it bleed. Not not like us. Like literally your lead singer needs to let it bleed. A million stories like like that. You don't think I know what I'm talking about? Tom Petty standing before me 15 years ago. And I told him to let it bleed. Yeah. (laughs) Dude, that's funny. And stand up, the whole thing is about how much time you have. And like, that's when you get really kicked in the balls where you're in like a hot room and you're like, I got an hour. I'm a headliner. I got an hour. And you go out and struggle like where you're not getting laughs. And all of a sudden that hour is like six minutes. And and there's like, and then you just kind of go, man, I wish I could replay that, that song again. You're like, you can't, you can't, you can't go be like, I'm going to do my closer again. Let's skew it up again. Mm -hmm. That would be really funny though, if you did. Yeah. I would have (laughs) probably done it and talked about it like for 10 minutes. I would just go into improv and start talking shit. But like, you know, you, you, you get, I'm sure in music you get, that's why, that's why you get really good by being out there because you learn how to play every type of room. And you go, oh, shit, this is not as good as I was at, at you know, Herman Tideway in front of 200 of my best friends where they're all like, good job, guys. And then you go out somewhere and you're like, oh, shit, Earthquake's <laughs> not not quite the banger that I thought it was. <laughs> Back in, uh, you're like, what? That's like, like, that happens in Denver to comics all the time. Like, you play comedy works and you just crush. And you're like, I'm the greatest. I'm, I'm like a prior and Carlin had a kid. And uh, turns out not so much if you go down to Colorado Springs to Looney's on a Wednesday night and, and it's just tired. <laughs> a lot of mullets, a lot of, lot of weird weird uh, focus on the family people and shit. And you're like, yeah, um, my act is not as, not as universal as I thought it was. But that's what, but you get out there and you figure it out, right? 
yeah, those are some of the subtleties of being a performer that I, I definitely remember as well. Like as a musician, when you start, you have no concept of dynamics, which in this case might mean what's the environment and, and actually how loud should I play? So, right. oh shit, there's some people that this place is a bar, but it serves food. You know, maybe it's not the time for fucking DEFCON 5 on the drums where you're just like, <laughs> you know, you just don't, when you start out, you just think everybody, when they hear your music or their shit, your shit is just going to fall in love. And a lot of it's just like performing subtleties. Like, you know, you're going to a religious town. Maybe that's not the time for <laughs> Jesus had a small penis or something. Yeah, no, that's not the track you lead with. Maybe <laughs> later. You just have to figure it out. Yeah, that's so funny. But you also come with what you got, and you and sometimes you don't have a choice, so you kind of. It's true. It's, not, it's like the, the the battle is like stick to your guns. You know, you I don't settle for anyone. I do not compromise at all. And the other things like, yeah, I'm going to compromise because that experience sucked, and I feel like shit. So I'm going to compromise to not feel bad again. But have you ever been in, I don't know how many like showcase shows you guys did, but there are definitely times where you're, you know, stand up, you're out there just struggling and doing whatever you can when you're learning how to do it. And then somebody will just come in and, and leisurely blow the room up. Just like mm -hmm. some old veteran experienced guy is like, yeah, I got this. And uh, just walks on stage with an R of confidence that immediately everyone gravitates to them, stops clicking their fucking glasses and the waitress stops and everyone just stops. And they're like, God, and everyone's just like, oh, and you're like, what happened? Like, what actually happened there? I, I just battled for 25 minutes. And uh, I'm sure you guys felt that sometimes, right? And like, but sure. that I think that all resonates in the music. Like, even if you listen to it on Spotify, it does come through. And that might be what we feel like is missing a little bit. Mm -hmm. But maybe I just oh, they, need to be more that like experience. better searches. Yeah, there's like some grit to it, right? Yeah, maybe. I, I tend to look for like I don't mind Lance. What's you were saying you like pop, you like pop music and all you know, the the girl singers, whatever. I mean, I like whatever's got soul, you know, grit. Mm. You want to call it? I want to see if it's coming from a place where I can relate to, and not just a way where it's somebody wrote the song for somebody else, you know, or at least I can believe that's maybe part of their story. So, yeah. which is I think Kanye has it. It just from a completely psychotic perspective well yeah his you could do a whole there, i'm sure this podcast just based on him based on his whole thing is is that's a very interesting cat for sure mm -hmm. but but i think there, there is something too and you want to gravitate towards somebody with experience oh these people or this guy knows what he's doing so i want everyone yeah. to be waylon jennings that's that's what that's, i want those old country singers like there's a whole lot of grit and experience in that music that's what i wanted i want everyone to be waylon jennings is that unrealistic guys maybe but yeah. until modern music as sounds like waylon then fuck you guys you're yeah. not as good i don't even listen to that guy yeah that that's that's the that's their big mic drop for the ender Fucking Wailing. I like that. my point is though like what's funny is we're talking a lot about music that was old for us you know like we we like grunge and shit from the '90s, but we also we're already listening to music that was twenty or thirty years old, a lot. Yeah, and gravitating towards it, so we're yeah, doing the yeah. same thing in a way, right? Yeah. Like, I, I uh, uh, back to your previous question. Sorry, backtrack, but you, I, I remember Jake. If we were gonna get 
not blown out of the water, but there would be more interest in a performer. It was often like a hot singer songwriter girl who like got heat on her looking just cute. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It'd just be like singing about like you told me i wanted a picket fence and three bedrooms <laughs> and that right then and there i knew that you don't know me you don't know me just some fucking like um anti-man go get anti go get pregnant and have a normal life music in that era everybody yeah exactly everybody would would just be like oh my god uh yeah i remember a couple of those <laughs> But that kills your soul a little bit, right? When that person's got all the heat on them and you're just sitting there slugging it out with earthquake. And for a second there, you're like, why is she getting all the attention? Uh, I mean, and they had like handlers. You know, some people just had people they believed that believed in them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you'd hear the product or whatever. And you're like, oh, well, that's okay. Right. You know, like, so there's, but there's bands that you see live and you're like, man, these guys are awesome. And you hear them on a CD or well, CD is even old. You hear them digitally and you're like, meh, whatever. That's, that's how I Do put you, us. I thought we were pretty awesome live. Yeah. So like live, our show really told the story because then you kind of get involved in what we're doing. But like for Jack Johnson, that guy is a CD or a digital music guy. You see him live, you're like, why am I here? You you're know, like, because, yeah, I mean, we. I mean, and I love his music, but you don't need to see it live. So there is something about the live show versus oh, the, you know, hear it, just hearing it on uh, digital, like Smashing Pumpkins. Great on a great lot. Great. Not great live. I saw I've, I've seen him live. Not good. But, you know, great music. Really? When did you yeah. see him? Oh, man. I saw him a few times. First time I saw him was Lollapalooza. Wasn't good. Because really? the Beastie Boys came on before him and screwed up all his instruments. And then he started complaining about the Beastie Boys. They didn't have to tune their guitar. And everybody was like, ah, oh, don't be oh, talking don't. about the Beastie Boys. But can you imagine? Like, that's a, what a lineup you saw, dude. The Beastie Boys and Smashing Pumpkins. That's insane. Like, that's Lollapalooza 93, 90, yeah. somewhere in there. Yeah. There's been better. There's been better, Matt. There's yeah. been better. It's because you don't like those bands. But for no, I like them. people. I just don't like his uh, that guy's voice. Right, <laughs> Smashing Pumpkins. Ah, oh, so good. Today, <laughs> and then all of a sudden think... he gets all, and then he's like, today, and then. <laughs> I think That's that fucking... like the studio does a really good job of reining that voice in, and you just oh, unleash yeah. him on the world. It's like wow. <laughs> how could he? How could you sing that like that live for three hours? Like like if yeah. he. It, it would be damaged. It's like Axl Rose lost his voice for a while. Like, right. There's oh, so many great stories in music. Crazy. But, but that, that's where I think the folk guys had their run because those bands like Mumford, they sounded just as good because it's just acoustic instruments and, and vocals. There's no, right? There's nothing, no tricks. Yeah, and they had, um, and I think to Matt's point, they had chops. You know, they could yeah. play. They probably played a lot before they you know, pop big or whatever. So oh, sure. fucking beards and their, and their pale ales. Come on, Mumford, shave your face. That's true. He's married to Carrie, Carrie Mulligan, the, the great actress chick. Oh. I shouldn't call her. You know, I always, I always like did, don't like a band because of their, their, the people that listen to them. Like where I shouldn't do that. It's not Mumford's fault that every fucking 
dude who goes to see them has one of these stupid beards and shit. Like That's true. That was one of the main reasons I didn't like Dave Matthews because I just thought it was oh, something for yeah. like sorority Fucking... girls in Boulder. It was. And and I I don't know why. I mean, I'm sure their, their music is good, but I could not. I couldn't do it. And it's not Dave Matthews' fault. He's a talented musician. But like it was like the scene. It seemed like a Greek frat fest or something. It was. That's what bothered me about it. But that guy is amazing. That's how he got big. They were well, amazing. But why? Well, it's not his fault. No, why it's am not. I take it out on Dave? Yeah, well, that's that's a personal personal battle for you. Yeah. Also, something. the music. I don't. I just can't get in the music. That's another one. If I'm gonna listen. Well, it's not even close to the same type of music. But if I'm gonna listen to Dave or String Cheese or, why would I not just listen to the Dead, which is the greatest damn band ever? Like, why would I not just listen? Like, if that's the type of music you like, why would you not just listen to the Grateful Dead? Because they're they're different. <laughs> nope. It's derivative and it's horseshit. And there's no other band that will ever be as good as. Just kidding. I just want to call out how dreary, how fucking dreary your room looks relative to Jake's. I mean, I know it, where where are you located? You're in Costa Rica. Are you in Are you in a Are you in an office building that's vacant except for you sitting in there? So sad, dude. I'm in a room that my mother in law used to live in. If you want to get it worse, and I have an actual. For everyone's listening, police and everyone else, I have I have two marijuana plants growing in the bathroom next to me. But they is that they, the lighting? They... No, this room just sucks because because oh. I keep feeling like I'm not gonna be here forever. But but it's like it's I'm still here and and I have not committed to making this place a little better. But there's a bed down there and that thing okay. just fine. <laughs> it's a comfortable anyway, place I don't know. I just thinking maybe you're. The vibe you're in, environmentally, okay. there is tied to tied to a band, Lance. Tied to a band. If you had to describe my my room as a as a band from any any generation, it, it reminds me of the cover of or somewhere in the the notes there, the the booklet of Tool, where where Maynard, I think Maynard is sucking his own wang. <laughs> or, <they're, laughs> or is that a video? I can't remember. But that's what it reminds me of, dude. Yeah, you're, flexibility you're, you're. and size. Good job, Maynard. How about Lance's? Or, uh, how about your room, Lance? Your lily white ass suburban look. What what music do you think would cover your room? Oh, if I describe shit. it for the people, it's a beautiful matched. Uh, it's a queen size bed with what I would say is like I don't know polished copper or some steel. Well, what frame. what nineties rock is like the equivalent of Pottery Barn and Banana Republic? Counting Crows. Probably or yeah, yeah. Uh, tonic chair, <laughs> gin blossoms. No, probably gin blossoms. No, uh, uh, co- collective soul. Collective, Your collective soul. soul. Yeah, oh my there's gosh, a little yeah. rough edge here, but it's real pussy. That's this. My room is collective soul. My room is <laughs> the world I know by collective soul. <laughs> there you Dude, go. You know what's great is like. <laughs> Like uh, you've kind of distanced yourself from some musical, like Collective Soul or Queensrÿche. You might be like, I never got into Queensrÿche, but down here people don't care. So people are still like, what a great band, man! Queensrÿche wow. was fucking. People great. love Queensrÿche yeah. up here. Actually, a certain age, like I'd say, a two-year range, maybe fifty to fifty-two right now. For yep. whatever reason, Adam I think Parker's Queens older brother, dude. Yeah, 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 yeah. Lectured me about the band one time. He's like, oh, so, like when Silent Lucidity came out, all these people are on Queensryche now. I've been with them for like eight years now. Everybody wants to say they're down with Queensryche. He was pissed. 
Silent Lucidity is the biggest ripoff of Pink Floyd I've ever heard. The rest of their music doesn't sound like that, but they literally just took a Pink Floyd song and added some new lyrics. So I've never I, noticed I was, that. Now I have to go look at that. Like, go listen there's some to bands it, yeah. that might have been <laughs> pop for a little while. Now you're like, no, no, I didn't. I didn't get down. Like, yeah, yeah. I, I think this band is great, but Def Leppard, you could almost put in that. Like, they were so oh. big, though. I but think they're, they're awesome. huge here. Like, they're huge. If they if they start, if someone starts playing Pour Some Sugar on Me at a party, people are getting laid. Like, it's yeah. it's out of control. It's like, like titty twists, like, right there. Just <laughs> ah, man. out of control. If you played Pour Some Sugar on Me, everybody that's a de- the Def Leppard fan, they'd be like, ah, you're playing this played out bullshit. Oh, man. You just joined them. <laughs> Let me tell you about their third album with yeah. fifth track. Deep tracks, yeah. <laughs> if you're going deep tracks on Def Leppard, the, the manager of the comedy club in uh, St. Louis was had to tell me one time that uh, what was it? Is I think their earlier album was Pyromania. That's a mm, good album. Good one. Sounds that was familiar. They sold out. It's like from 1982. It's like you probably never heard it because I think it has fooling on it. Fooling. Yeah. Yep groundbreaking so wow but we do thanks for interrupting me for that story comedian uh (laughs) all right we don't want to keep jake forever where do we want we want to go anywhere else with this jake what other thoughts do you have about music dude uh no i think i'm hey i don't give us a recommendation since you since you since you've been you you claim to finding good groundbreaking modern music after the black eyed peas you have any recommendation give me like an alt rock band where you're like you might you might you might get down with this. You might you like Coldplay. You heard of Coldplay? <laughs> yeah, is that a new a one for you? I got to figure out what I'm dealing with. I mean, I could yeah. just go with the ace in the hole and just recommend uh, Pearl. You ever heard of Pearl Jam? Uh, what? Sorry. <laughs> Pearl Jam was a better band than Nirvana, right? But Nirvana's more culturally shifting. And mm. the best of those four grunge bands was, was Soundgarden, by far the best. No, definitely more Trains. longevity. I would say I, I probably like Pearl Jam better, but I Just think you could probably argue all day on that one. Because they lived? Well, let's do it since we're both in our, we're, we're all in our late 40s. The, hor- the horses in this race are Nirvana, Soundgarden, Pearl Jam, and uh, Allison Chains, and Chains. we'll throw, we'll throw candle box in. We'll Fuck throw candle box in. Right. Everybody always well, you guys make the case Urge for overkill. <laughs> Make the case for Mud Honey. <laughs> Can, no, it's, no waste your time. It's a, fa- it's a father of Seattle music. I hear all about him. You play any oh, grunge yeah. around here? They're like, let me tell you about my daddy. So uh, people oh, get God. into King Crimson like it's, it's yeah, the, it's like Adam For and sure. Eve of mankind. Yeah, there's yeah. just four. There's just four studs, and that's Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Soundgarden, <laughs> Alice in Chains. There's no yeah. other. Who's your horse, no other. Lance? Who's your horse? Uh, okay, I like them all. Obviously, I know that. Pearl Jam's the most accomplished, but I do think the style and alive, really, by the way. Yeah, yeah, true. I just think that you, Allison Chain's style was perfect for me. Coming out of the '80s hair band, but like twisting it on its head with that dark Sabbath grunge '80s hair band mix. <clears throat> Interesting note, dude. Just to kind of interject, when I did the deep dive into Allison Chains, um, one of their first songs had like trumpets in it. Like way, if you go deep, deep, wow. you got to check it out. It's wild because oh, I think they went through some sort of a journey. But he um, was a he was a frontman of a funk band, Lane, Lane Stanley. Was that Lane. what it is? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. 
before okay. he got Man in the Box came out, which was yeah. great. Fucking Who's amazing. your horse, Jake? Lance's um, AIC. Oh, I, Pearl Jam, for sure. Without a doubt. But I, I want to like, say... Go ahead. Pearl Jam, for sure. Yeah. I like most of their songs. They're still putting out hits, but I don't grade it on that. I think I liked... Pearl, if you were to go first albums that I listened to of those bands, I I re-listened to Pearl Jam 10 like a million times, so... I guess that would be my horse. I want to, my, this is a trick question. The right answer was Temple of the Dog and Mad Seasons because they were collabs of Ooh, all the bands. Like it. That's, ah, yes. That's, Thank that's, you. Ah, look you who's guys. the smart music guy now. Yeah. The, the, the great, the, the most talented of those bands, at least the most talented front man, it was Chris Cornell, Soundgarden. That guy could sing as good as anybody mm. in the history of vocals. He had some range, but that doesn't mean he was the best. Fucking A, that guy's amazing. But I, I would was. say best looking, probably Cobain. I don't see Eddie Vedder as a... Well, maybe some people think he's... Uh, but Soundgarden was the best, and we can all agree on that. Um, well, I think I will say this. <laughs> I had my uh, journey with each of them. It's like dating four different chicks. And they were all interesting and good. And uh, it's hard to pick who was who was the best lay. <laughs> Uh, you obviously went with Allison Chains. No, I which mean, would have been the grumpy, like you know, depressive, <laughs> introspective chick. Circle under <laughs> her eyes, but like, you know, real, real trim box. No, I don't if know. no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let, let's let's play that out, Lance. So if that's the the trimmest box, who's who's uh who's going seventy no. style? Who's oh who's the Harry the girl with Harry Pitts is yeah, a Pearl Jam chick. Uh, Harry Pitts, Harry everything. I'm saying Pearl yeah. Jam is the Harry Box of the yeah. grunge, and what say? Not. Oh, the uh, the um, Nirvana you chick just is the that one with the serious face, Jake. I love it. Yeah, probably Pearl Jam, Harry's Box. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's just worried that his company's going to get a hold of this fucking episode, and he's going to have. He's to, got like... a guy. I got I got seven points right now. I can close this right now. He's got he's got people trying to hit him up, get move units. Yeah, we got to let him go, dude. He's he's got, got fucking numbers flashing. Uh, <laughs> he's got voicemail stacking up. He's got yeah. He's got paperwork. Uh, but uh, Matt, I'm going to go with Nirvana. Is that um, that chick that choose choose? and smokes and you kiss her and you don't know why you like it, even though it's gross. <laughs> That's terrible. And, and you're and six and 40 years later, you're still like, man, I should have got with that girl. You still, you should, you still desire. Her. Uh-huh. Mm. Yeah. This is what it is. I, I think actually it's a trick question. Courtney love and whole was, is pretty amazing. If you listen to some of their songs now, really, really good. So, uh, <laughs> Let's end it there. Because you said, can we end it there? Because you said whole, whole. <laughs> it's like some Beavis and Butthead. I want you guys to go on and take everything. Take everything. That's it for me. That's a Courtney Love song. Wow. That was deep. <laughs> that was deep. Well, Dude, this I was great. I could do this for parts. six hours, man. I could do this forever. I, I, I thought it was great, Jake. You actually balanced the show. Where Lance had Lance had a bad episode, it happens. I brought it, uh, <laughs> but you balanced it for us. I think it's going to be a ratings boom. Do you agree, Lance? It's probably oh not. yeah. I mean, there's a lot of dirty talk, a lot of opinions. I like it. Oh, dude, I do want to say this. 
Sorry, Jay, I know you got to work. I think we have to be honest on the show, and I'm so happy of the Holtis brothers that we chose you because I really don't think your brothers, Dave, like would have had the perspective or the like the I don't know intelligence is a strong word, but just like the the perspective that we have, uh, I think it would have been a snoozer. So I'm glad we chose you. Lance and I went back and forth, and uh, we went with yeah. you. So oh yeah. wow, yeah. yeah. Well, it's good to be here. Yeah, and then go ahead and just let Dave know. Send Dave an email and tell him he wasn't chosen. He was up for it, up for the job. He didn't get it. And uh, keep trying. Keep building his resume. Maybe go listen to some more music. I agree. And he graduated in 95, so it's first off, fuck him. He He was also behind us. Yeah, the biggest band in that era was fucking Collective Soul. So what can he say about the world? You know, and it's funny you mentioned that. He loves himself some Collective Soul. That fucking pussy, oh, Dave. God. Yeah, Thank and God. then, hey, put a little Toad the Wet Sprocket on that, too. Ooh. Oh, he did love Toad. Yeah. Oh, my God, Toad <laughs> oh, the yeah. Wet Sprocket. We picked the right Worst band name. Yeah, Dave, 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 yeah. Dave, Dave. You're never, you're never coming on to talk music, dude. We should have okay. got your parents, man. We should have got your parents. You know, as much as my parents had a bunch of music, they don't. They never really expanded. They sort of did exactly what we talked about in the beginning. They sort of got into one thing, and the only time they actually ever expanded is because um, one of the three boys would bring music to them. They kind of had their set of rules. So I think that's what naturally happens, though. They're remembering a time where they were really into soul and funk they were into all that stuff and um at some point jimmy buffett came in but that i think that was because of a friend but they got, got they got pigeonholed and they just didn't really expand because it, it wasn't that because they didn't to need them. to because because yeah so, they, so much great music at the, i like that you guys added to it's like they had like aretha franklin james gang beatles and then one of you guys brought home biz Marquee or something they were like yeah no we're gonna go back to what we had i do that's a funny story actually just because we're still talking i do remember introducing my dad and i was excited about this This is a funny story i I tell this all the time but he we're driving we're in chicago before i moved out to colorado and like i was into this tape um uh two live crew i'm not sure if you remember that band uh they had a song called me so horny and that was all the rage and uh, I was so excited about this song. I loved it. So we're driving down the highway. I'm, I'm like um, in the passenger side or whatever. I don't know. And I, I go, Dad, you got I was excited to share this song with him. He literally, I put it in. I pop the tape in. Song starts playing. He's listening. He's giving me the time of day. The me so horny starts going on and on. <laughs> and he just ejects it. Calmly looks me in the face, <laughs> unrolls the window, and throws it on the highway. Like, it, I, wow! Did. Yeah, he threw it out the window. <laughs> what a badass! Yeah, he looked me right in the face. He didn't say anything else besides he's like, I think he said something like, "I'm not going to listen to that shit in my car," or something like you know, something wow. very sweet. <laughs> Dude, that's a, that's a closer right there, Jake. Yeah, yeah. Hello, team. Uh, in line with what we talked about today in the men's room, uh, music and things happening in the 90s and my old buddies, I'm going to tell a story of something really stupid I did uh, because I keep looking back on my life and I keep thinking about things I did and wonder how did I ever think that was okay. 
And so here's one of them. When I was about 19, I felt there was a huge injustice in the world. And that was that I was very young for my grade. And because of that, I thought that it was a travesty that I wouldn't be able to go to bars in college until halfway through my senior year of college. I thought it was ridiculous. I was missing the experience and I had to solve the problem. Uh, I'd already been working with an expired ID from West Virginia, which had my older brother's picture on it. That got confiscated pretty quickly. That worked about three times buying beer uh, from an Asian dude at one liquor store that did not give a shit about IDs. But that wasn't a solution. So I had the brilliant idea that I was going to sneak, when I was down at my parents' house, sneak into the family filing cabinet, grab my brother's birth certificate and social security card, and head into the DMV and tell them that I lost my license. For the Costa Rican listeners, your license is like your cedula up there and has your birth and date, uh, your date of birth. And that's how people uh, check you. That's how bouncers check you when you're getting into a bar. So I was going to go get a license. So I went into the DMV. Uh, and mind you, this is the middle of July in Boulder. It's very hot. My brother is way bigger than me taller just larger in general larger human being so i layered up i had like four shirts on i'm not kidding i had a jacket on middle of july i had these boots that had like heels on them and i headed in there and i gave him my shit i gave him the social security card and the and the birth certificate and i said i lost my license and i need to get another one they told me to sit down uh, so I sat there. I've never been more nervous in my life and trying to not look nervous. I, I just was like sweating bullets and questioning my decision and planning for a life in jail. And uh, about a half hour into it, a guy, one of those faceless, uh, like soulless looking government employees, this guy actually looked like Philip Seymour Hoffman's character and Charlie, uh, Charlie Wilson's war. I think his name was Gus. He had that look. He had the mustache and just like stare right through you, right? So this guy calls me over, uh, and and as he's calling me over, he's calling over every employee in the DMV. Like the, like the operation shut down, and they're all kind of whispering and snickering and looking at me, and they're just like, oh, and I am, I am sweating bullets. I was probably purple at the time, right? So right as all this is happening, they clearly think there's something wrong on an old like uh, monitor from the 90s, I see my brother's face scroll down on a screen like very slowly. It took like a minute to download. All right, and let me give you uh, an idea of what I was up against. Uh, my brother has dark brown eyes. I have light blue eyes, strike one, right? My brother at the time, uh, whenever he took that picture, he was probably a hundred pounds heavier than me. I've been somewhere around six foot one eighty my whole adult life. He might have been pushing two eighty at the time, way bigger than me. He had a full like goatee, maybe like with with like off the chin, like full growth. Uh, I'm forty seven years old. I still can't grow facial hair. Like I can't link up a beard. Cannot grow a goatee. Mustache is peach fuzz. It's like white peach fuzz now. I skipped like any sort of manly facial hair and went straight to like body gray hair in my face. Anyways, so he's got a goatee and then he had like a really long curly hair. Like he literally looked like a member of the Hells Angels in the picture. And I had short hair. I was a fresh faced 19 year old college kid. I look back now, I probably looked like I was 15. Like 
I could have anybody else in the in the room in the whole DMV could have looked like his brother or his himself more than I did. So I see this picture scroll down and I'm just like, there it is. I'm fucked. I'm going to be getting pounded in a prison. Like, that's it. Life over. Uh, the one saving grace, though, it was, you know, the picture quality of the 90s, a lot of red eye on the picture. So it kind of like uh, gave maybe maybe that gave me a little saving grace. But we're sitting there and they're all looking at me and they're all looking at the picture and I see doubt in their eyes and I probably looked like the guiltiest man ever. And this guy, Philip Seymour, Gust, looks at me and he goes, push your head back like this. Right? He goes, did you lose some weight? And I go, yeah, uh, I lost a lot of weight. And he goes, push your head back like this. And when I did that, I got like a double chin. And he looked at me for like 30 seconds and I've never been involved in such a silent conversation as that right there. It's like we were going back and forth and he's just like, you fucking idiot. You came in here to put me through this. You're in the middle of a college town. You're going to come in here and try to get a fake ID. And I must have just voiced some some pathetic, like, just let me go, sir. Just let me go and I'll never do anything bad again in my life. And there was such a tension, man. It was like the showdown, the OK Corral. There was a tension. He just stared at me. And I stared back at him. Uh, and then after about 30 seconds, he goes, oh, yeah, I see it. All right. Uh, we'll have it ready for you in a little while. Go sit down. And I just about freaked. Like literally just about jumped out of my skin. And I sat down. Uh, and about 15 minutes later, they handed me the ID and said, you're all set. And I ran out of there like Deion Sanders. I freaking sprinted out of there like the cops were on my tail. FBI. Albeit, and I went back to my apartment complex, and all these people had told me it's the dumbest idea you can do. I showed off that ID like I freaking drove home in a Ferrari, and they looked at it like it was a Ferrari. It was like gold. It was the best fake ID in the history of uh, fake IDs. And my brother actually, like, he wasn't himself. They actually changed the ID to blue eyes. I was him. He was not himself. I don't know if he ever knew that, but now he does. Uh, so I was able to go to the bar that night and it was a summer in a college town. There was nobody there, but it was still like amazing. I was in the bar and nobody could fuck with me. Like I, I, I loved handing that thing to bouncers because it was like, come on, bro. Try to find a hole in this. This is a real ID. And I'd even, I was so confident I'd break it out at parties. Like a party would get busted up. Cops would confiscate IDs to try to, try to cross check everybody. And one time, and every time I'd forget that my name was Don, and they'd be yelling out, Don, Don, they go through a list of names, and I'd sit there and go, I wonder who they're talking to. And then maybe a friend would go, dude, they're talking to you. And I'd be like, yep, Don, right here. Pop right up. One time, uh, that actually happened, and they called me over to tell me that uh, I was not able to drive. Like, you, you, you're aware you're not able to drive, right, Don? And I was like, yep, I am aware. I have no idea what happened, what my brother did, or why he was not able to drive, but I rolled with it. Uh, but that was one really dumb thing that I did that actually worked out, and uh, I would not recommend it to anyone. But uh, that was my story about committing identification fraud in the state of Colorado. Thank you. Seniors 94 is written and produced by Matt and Lance. Commercials editing top 40 hits by Lance. Stand-up comedy and comedic stories by Matt. Musical support for this episode, Skibka Music. Thank you for listening. 
Run it back, baby. Trees make me horny. Trees make me horny. I wanna rub myself up and down that bark until I bleed. Oh, please. Oh, please. Let me hit them trees.